Welcome to Game Critics After Dark, an experiment in mini-podcasting. These are going to be intimate conversations with our critics about the games they've been playing and reviewing. My guest this week is Richard Nyack, author of our recently posted StarCraft II review. Welcome, Richard. Hey, Tim. Uh, I gotta say, that your, your title sounds like you were recording a softcore porn. Well, I did say it was going to be an intimate conversation. I, I know, and yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you ready to get intimate? I'm as ready as you are, buddy. <laughs> so StarCraft II, fairly big game, arguably the most anticipated game of all time. Is it daunting writing a review for such an important game? Uh, actually, it kind of was. Um, I think this is probably the longest review that I've ever written. Um, I think it clocked in somewhere around 1,400 words, I think. But, I mean, yeah, just because it had – the original StarCraft had such a big cultural impact on just, like, the culture of, of gaming in general. It uh, – I mean, trying to write a review of its successor and trying to put it into the proper context was uh, was, was a challenge. I, I don't know how you approach the review writing process if you sit down in front of your computer and just start typing out notes, or but how long did you stare at a, a blank sheet of paper before you actually dove into the writing? Uh, uh, actually staring at a blank sheet of paper, probably not long at all, because I started writing the review, I think, when I was about half done to maybe two-thirds done with the campaign, and then after I had spent... Uh, I had played my first two placement matches, so I started writing it then. I wasn't really... I mean, I was writing notes and stuff, obviously, as I was playing, but there was a... I didn't... It didn't it's not really that difficult for me to actually start writing once I get a good feel for it. Mm. In terms of the campaign, are you a huge fan of the StarCraft lore? Are you, are you a mythology guy when it comes to StarCraft? I am, but not... As much, I mean, I've never actually read any of the books or any of the uh, like the extra stuff that's not in the game. But I do really enjoy the uh, the StarCraft universe as it's presented or as it was presented in the the original game in and Brood War. So yeah, I guess that's accurate. I kind of look at StarCraft lore the way I look at Halo lore. Like, I get that people are obsessed with it and really into it and write the fan fiction for it. I, I don't personally get it, but I, I respect, you know, people's rights to to get into yeah. it. I'd, I'd call the StarCraft lore a lot better than the Halo lore, but yeah, I'll, I'll see what you're saying. Now, in your StarCraft II review, which, as I mentioned, is posted on the site, and I, I hope people have checked it out or, or will at the conclusion of this little uh, conversation, you cite the story as something of a, a failure, something of a disappointment. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I was, and I don't really want to spoil anything for anyone because the the thing that really that I was most disappointed with out of the uh, – the entire story and really the entire game is at the very, very, very end. So I won't mention any specifics. However, I will say that the story is pretty unfocused. Um, I don't think that having 20 plus, I think there's like 20, I think there's 22 or 23 Terran missions. And then there's like those five Protoss missions that are in there. But most of the time you're playing is the Terrans. And as a result, the story feels very unfocused. Um, I don't think 20 plus missions is really necessary to tell the story of the Terrans and of Jim Rayner. 
Um, you were very vocal before the game came out about the lack of the Zerg and the Protoss campaign. Uh, I think that it would have been better served by the way that they did it in the first game, where they had, I mean, there were 10 missions dedicated to each race, so you you uh, basically saw the same story from three different perspectives. You know, first from the Terrans, then from uh, the Zerg, and then from the Protoss. In StarCraft Two, or at least in Wings of Liberty, the story kind of meanders around a lot of different subplots, and some of them aren't really all that interesting, and it serves to take away from the uh, the focus of the story, which was present in the first game. So, yeah, I was I was fairly disappointed with it. I'm only about halfway through. In fact, I just finished the last Protoss mission. I think the biggest failing of the story are, are the characters and, and specifically the dialogue. Yeah. The, there's no texture to the dialogue. There's no depth. The characters are talking solely about the plot. You know, it's like, this is the mission we were just on. This is the mission we're about to go on. You know, it's like, hey, Jimmy, the Zerg were tough on that last mission. And, hey, there's a, a <laughs> blue artifact on a Protoss colony. we got to go there. <clears throat> That's the dialogue, you know. And, and people have drawn comparisons to Wing Commander in this game because between missions you're in the cantina and you're, you're on the bridge and you're talking to characters. But in Wing Commander, and you can hear Brad trembling in anger right now, uh, <laughs> the pilots talked about their families, they talked about their lovers, they talked about their life before the war and, and what they were hoping to do when the war was over. I mean, I mean, they were characters with motivations. And, and in StarCraft, it seems like Raynor and uh, his buddy and the captain, they're just, they're just there to talk about what you've already experienced in the missions. It was really kind of disappointing. You just need to work on your Takas impression, Timmy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you about that. Um, and that's, like I was saying before, where there are so many different little subplots, then they don't really have time to focus on, uh, on, a, lot of the, on a lot of people that actually could be interesting. Um, for example, I really did not like uh, Ariel Hansen. Uh, I thought she was really... Like, she was really a distraction from the main storyline, because everything you do regarding her has nothing to do with the artifact. It has nothing to do with uh, stopping the Zerg. It just has everything to do with saving these these colonists, these colonists that really don't have anything to do with the main storyline at all. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I was going to say, when you said Ariel Hansen, I, I had no idea who you were talking about. But she's she's the lady who's in the lab. She leads the... She's, you yeah, pick she, her. Okay. she's the scientist. That's right. Gotcha. So I get, that's how memorable she is. is I, yeah, she, she's the, uh, <laughs> the... She's the vapid love interest, basically. She's the girl on the ship. Yeah, well, she's one of the girls on the ship, but yeah. Maybe I haven't met any others, but so far uh, I've just met her. Yeah. I want to talk about the missions for a second. My my perception of the gameplay is that it's not really an RTS. It's not really a real-time strategy game in the single-player campaign. Again, I'm only halfway through, but I feel like Blizzard has introduced a lot of World of Warcraftian elements into the single-player, in that if you just follow the directions, if you listen to what the computer is telling you to do, you can pretty much 
pass every mission and get the completion achievement for it. You know, if it tells you to build siege tanks, build some siege tanks. If it tells you to put them in siege mode on top of the cliff and you do that, you're pretty much fine. I don't think you need to be that fast on your feet. I don't think you really need to employ much strategy. It's kind of a dumbed-down approach, but as a guy who doesn't really care for RTS, I, I found it very accessible. I found it very fun actually playing the missions. W- would you ag- would you say that that's true? I mean, would you agree with that, and, and does that hold true for the second half of the game? I agree on the accessibility part, because um, I think that the single player actually does do a pretty good job of telling you the basics of how everything works, and uh, at least in the later missions, preparing you for the multiplayer, because it makes you think so fast. But as far as there being no strategy at all, I mean, for some of the missions I would agree with that, because uh, a lot of them were pretty easy, but there were there were a few where I actually had to uh, like do it, try it multiple times before I I finished it, and I had to alter my plans uh, before each time because I think the th- the final mission I had to do I think three times, three yeah one two no yeah it was three times before I actually got it, and then the final Protoss mission is something where I had to actually plan something out because you have to get I mean it's that thing where you have to kill fifteen hundred of them within a certain amount of time and. My first two tries, I was getting to like 1,400 and then just getting overwhelmed. And it's like, okay, how do I cause as many deaths as possible in an extremely short amount of time? And so, yeah, there was a little, there was some strategy there. A quick story about that mission. I literally finished that mission about 10 minutes before we started recording tonight, that one where you had to kill the 1,500 Zerg. My Uh laptop battery died at 1,486. Oh, I didn't realize I had disconnected from the wall, and so my laptop went into suspend mode, and uh, I had to replug it back in. But when you plug back in, you are disconnected from Battle.net, and I wouldn't have gotten the achievement. So I had to reload a save and redo the mission, essentially. Mm. It was very embarrassing uh, and infuriating. That but that's that's life on Battle.net and life connected to the Internet at all times. Yeah. Yeah, kind of is. The internet is the home of the rage quit. <laughs> so I'm going to make a controversial statement. I'd like you to comment on it, and this will serve as our transition into the multiplayer discussion. I believe that the single player was made for Blizzard fans, and that the multiplayer was made for StarCraft fans. Would you agree with that, or do I need to explain it further? Uh, I think you need to explain it further. Since 1997, 1998, whenever this game came out, StarCraft One came out, um, lots more people playing computer games in general. Many, many millions of people playing World of Warcraft. And every time you, you launch World of Warcraft, for the last two years, you, there's a launcher, and you get an ad for StarCraft. So there's people playing WoW who've never heard of StarCraft, but they see this ad and they think, oh, Warcraft, StarCraft. I'll try it out. So as we said, Blizzard makes it very, very accessible. But I would guess that if those, I don't know how many, let's say 500,000 people who were just sampling StarCraft because they were WoW fans, go into multiplayer, they are going to get annihilated. Completely destroyed, wiped off the face of the earth, discouraged, 
and unable to play ever again because they will just be so depressed about it. That happened to me. When I played my placement matches, I lost all five of them a row in a row probably within six minutes for each match. I mean, it was devastating. Can I, can I ask what, uh, what type of game you were playing? Was it just one-on-one? It was 1v1. I was playing Terran each time because that was the only, you know, from the single player, that was the only group I knew. And there I was building up my forces, building my barracks and getting my workers out and so forth. Preparing your flagship, the Tamarkin. Exactly. So I'd be building up my forces and then all of a sudden like six Zergling would come in. Six little tiny Zergling and they would completely wipe me out because I had built like one Marine at, at that point. There's nothing in, I mean, there's very, I won't say nothing, there's very little in the single player to prepare you for the speed at which you must play the multiplayer. When you dove into multiplayer, were you as overwhelmed as I was? Did you have much success? Oh, absolutely. I was completely overwhelmed. I mean, I was getting destroyed. Like, I lost, like, uh, my first three. Like, I was playing uh, 2v2 and 3v3, uh, the placement matches, and I lost, like, my first four and I was just getting my first couple. I was getting destroyed, but on the third one, I was actually starting to pick up on the speed of things because in the multiplayer, you cannot. You have to focus on doing one thing. Like you have to focus on getting twelve stalkers out as fast as possible, or you have to focus on getting your air power set up as fast as possible. Like you can't really build. Like you can't really do what you do in the single player and just have fun building stuff up. I mean, it is fun building stuff up, but I mean, you have to, you know, you, there has to be an order. You have to have an order of stuff to do in your head. Um, I finally won a placement match, uh, 3v3. Mm. I was quite, I was quite proud of myself because I actually managed, I actually did something useful in that game that had never, ever happened before. So, and then I promptly was crushed again in the last match. So I went one for five on my, uh, my placements. So the, the game is hard. I mean, the multiplayer is hard. There is no real getting around that. But the reward of watching a very well-built machine beat your opponent is pretty gratifying. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough, but I mean, you know, no risk, no reward, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get the impression that there is research and study and charts that you have to make in order to be successful. I, I, I am incredibly impressed at the matchmaking that they place you with people of a comparable skill level. But I think that there is a baseline skill level that you need for that to take. And I find myself below that skill level so that I am at the bottom of my ladder. I am as far to the bottom as I can be. And and the problem with me is my brain is just not wired for real-time strategy. I I am a turn-based guy. I need time to think. I don't like being out of control. Uh, That's the kind of gamer I am. So I I think Civ 5 is going to be more my speed. But I I mean, Richard, do you find yourself, uh, do you think you're going to uh, put in the time? I, I mean, do you see yourself climbing the ladder in StarCraft 2? Uh, no, I don't see myself climbing a ladder. However, I do see myself getting on and uh, having fun in the unranked matches. Um, I mean, I played the placement matches just to see how I measured up, but I really have 
no intention of, you know, giving up my social life or giving up everything else that I enjoy in life to try to become good at StarCraft. Um, I mean, I enjoy playing it from time to time. You know, I'll play, uh, you know, a quick match now and then, but I'm not obsessed with it. So, no, I'm not going to be climbing the ladder, but, I mean, I do... I mean, and the, and the practice matches aren't particularly easy either, unless you're willing to... I mean, really, once you know the build order and you have, like, a beginning game plan, then you should be able to do okay and at least be somewhat useful. And and even, and even again, I really don't like playing the 1v1 matches. I always do 2-on-2 two two or 3-on-3 three three just because... There are more targets than me, which gives which less gives pressure. Me, yeah, yeah. I was going to say it gives me more time to do cool stuff. Like I said, I'm I'm phenomenally impressed, phenomenally impressed with the multiplayer infrastructure. But all I could think about as I explored it was Diablo three. I mean, put yeah, put the placement matches, the ladder system, the challenges, the the friend system, the matchmaking. Blizzard is going to put all of that. And stuff we haven't even thought of into Diablo three, and that just makes me giddy. Yeah, I was as soon, the first time I tried the multiplayer matches, and I looked at the uh, the chatting system, and you compare that to what was in Diablo two. I man, yeah. that I I mean my my expectations for Diablo three just went up, yeah. like way up. Yeah, it's it's going to be great when it comes out in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I. I as we approach the end of our of our time together, before this becomes a actual podcast as opposed to a mini podcast, a couple closing thoughts from me on StarCraft, and then Richard, I'll give you the final word. I, like I said, I'm not a I'm not an RTS guy. I know myself uh, all too well. I bought this game more as a curiosity as a Blizzard fan, but but more as a curiosity because I was very it, I wanted to know what a game would look like that was made with an unlimited budget, unlimited time, unlimited people. And sure enough, it's hard to look at StarCraft and not see one of the most polished, content-packed, quality games really ever made. But it's really just not a game for me. It's kind of like, you know, I can recognize Beethoven as being a genius, even if I never listen to Beethoven and really don't particularly care for his music, I can recognize it's you know the, you know he's a that he, that he's a genius, and I think it's the same thing here with StarCraft. It's not a game for me, but I recognize its its brilliance. I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, I mean, I have not played an RTS myself in uh, several years. The last one I put any significant time into was uh, Warcraft Three. I mean, I'm not really. I mean, I in, have enjoyed RTSs in the past, but I really haven't been playing them too much in the past five years or so. So I wouldn't really consider myself a hardcore RTS fan, but I mean, I do enjoy them from time to time. Well, Richard, I want to thank you for joining me on the first Game Critics After Dark. Welcome. It was very intimate. It really was. Uh, is your shirt off? Uh, my shirt actually is off. Is it really? <laughs> yeah, I, I got a sunburn today on my the back of my on the like my back, and it hurts, so I'm not wearing a shirt. You know what's funny is my laptop, my gaming laptop. I was playing StarCraft, actually burnt my legs. Uh huh. So I, I'm also burnt, but I I am wearing a shirt. I was just joking about that, and now I'm 
little creeped out. Regardless, okay, you don't have to put that in there. That's no, it's going in. It's going in because I want people to. <laughs> it's all about the visual. You know, the the picture we're painting in people's minds. Game Critics After Dark, uh, for for those who are listening, uh, you can read Richard's entire review and find out what score he gave to StarCraft II by visiting GameCritics.com. Leave your feedback as well. Tell us what you think of this little After Dark experiment. Richard, thanks again. And from all of us at Game Critics, I'm Tim Spaeth. Good night and bon chance.